Welcome to Mama's Got This, a podcast on all the ups and downs of raising a family with inside tips and tricks from both your fellow moms and industry experts. Here's your host, Laura Ziobro. Welcome to Mama's Got This. I'm uh, Laura Ziobro. I'm here with a good friend of mine, Samantha. And um, Samantha and I are going to be chatting a little bit about her experiences as her daughter um, was, you know, very young, getting started and some concerns that she faced um, medically and kind of how she approached that and advocated on behalf of her daughter. So welcome, Samantha. Hey, thank you. Welcome. <laughs> thank you for the welcome. <laughs> so I guess tell us a little bit about sort of some of the warning signs that kind of started this process for you, um, I guess. Uh, as your daughter was, was, was sort of facing some of these issues early on, kind of what, what kind of started to trigger that? So um, I think, you know, at the very beginning, around probably like eight weeks, she started um, kind of the typical colic uh, symptoms, I guess, is what uh, would be considered it. She was just, you know, crying a lot after she ate for like an hour at a time. And she would um, cough a lot and she, um, she started spitting up. Um, but it was it's always confusing you know as it spit up or throw up at that point yeah but it was it was kind of going out a lot more than mm -hmm. usual um and something just didn't feel right i think more than anything else um you know she just didn't seem happy after she ate which was is very rare for an infant obviously because that's like kind of their they all it's all they do is eat and sleep and poop right 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 <laughs> so um she didn't seem happy after she ate so that was kind of the biggest thing right okay and then i guess is that something i mean i I think that you and I are pretty similar in that we read a lot of books and we're following a lot of websites and all of that. I mean, was that something that was easy to find information on or was no. that something that you immediately thought, oh, it's just this? Yeah, I mean, I the problem is that like, you know, you go to a doctor and it's, it's sort of like SIDS, you know, where like they just don't have information on mm -hmm. colic and they just say colic is just something that like kids grow out of. And right. so it all became like a game of like waiting. And so you're just literally having to live through this like, nightmare to some extent and everybody's just telling you to wait and you're like well there's there's like, something what's the wrong. ending time for this right. waiting like, yeah. how long am i waiting they're like well wait till three months and they usually outgrow it okay well wait till six months and they usually wait till a year and you're like you know at some point you're like this is just not i'm watching other children and you're not supposed to compare your your child to other children but you're watching your child and you're like this is not this is not normal and then you're looking online and it's like the worst case scenario you can possibly imagine the child has like you know, a knotted esophagus or like, you know, there's like, you know, these very big things. And, and, and usually it's somewhere in between. Right. But, you right. Know, there's definitely like, there's not a lot of information on any, well, I think especially when you're just taping into symptoms in an infant, you get like the worst case scenario at all points on the internet. So it's not. So you're being told one thing when you're talking to your doctor, which is just to wait. Right. And then you look online, you're seeing like all these crazy worst yeah. case scenarios that you're like, what is my reality? Yeah. And it's, it's absolutely, yeah. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, your doctor, I mean, in my case, I have a really good relationship with my pediatrician. Okay. And so being able to consistently talk to my pediatrician on a regular basis about my concerns sort of helped me be in the middle I Okay. Think, more than anything else. Um, so, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a long process. Yeah. And we, th we, I said, my husband and I, they say the first year of marriage, I mean, the first year of having a child is the hardest thing that you possibly can go through, like on a, on a, on a, um, with your marriage, like a marriage, like a normal mm -hmm. marriage, not obviously there's other factors, but, um, when you're cleaning up puke on a regular basis, it makes it like very challenging, <laughs> very challenging. Yeah. Like, yeah. So did eventually, did your, did your doctor just come back with some, some specific recommend or no? No. So basically like, you know, I tried everything. I stayed off dairy for the entire like first year 
year when I was breastfeeding her, I, I didn't eat dairy, which is, I mean, you know how much I love cheese. It, yeah. was, like, it was like the single worst thing ever. Um, I can tell you all about fake cheese, though, if you ever want to know about fake cheese. Um, but, um, but yeah, and then, um, and, and I tried like everything. We would just limit stuff. She didn't eat until, she didn't really, like we would give her food, but she would throw it up. So we waited until she was like eight months old before we really introduced food. Real like, food, okay. You know, we were always like a little delayed in everything we did um, just because everything had to be like a huge process. And then finally at like a year, I was like, you know, I just, I kept talking to the pediatrician. I was like, I really want to see a GI, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I had looked enough online to know that like the GI was the next step more mm -hmm. or less and uh, gastroenterologist. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I was like, you know, I've I, like, I really want to see one. I might be neurotic. And by the way, if you ever want to get your pediatrician to agree to anything, the proper way to say it is, I know you're the professional. I know but, you have the experience, right. but I'm neurotic. Just blame it on right. yourself and you can get whatever you want. Right. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm neurotic and I feel like this has been going on a year and I feel like I need another, I need another opinion just to right. make sure that like I'm, I'm being nuts, that it's not, it's not just, right. yeah, exactly. And sure enough, she gave us the referral and we went in and the first thing I said to the GI, I said, I'm going to give her a bottle and I just want you to watch it. Right. She wants you to watch her drink the bottle and tell me if you're seeing what I'm seeing. And as she's drinking the bottle, she's coughing. She can't finish a full bottle. She's right. coughing in the middle of coughing. And I said, and now watch. So we gave her like maybe three ounces and probably like 10 minutes later, she threw up. And I said, is this colic? And the GI said, that is not normal. There is something else going on immediately. Yeah. And is this, is this a G, is it just a general GI or is there, are there pediatric? Yeah, okay. pediatric GI. Okay. Um, and she was like, you know, that's, that's definitely not normal. Like what you're saying is not normal. And, you know, and I'm glad we waited as long as we did only because of the amount of time, effort and like things that we had to do to our child. I feel mm -hmm. like waiting for a year is probably the safest bet on this bet. Right. Um, but that being said, like, you know, I had to fight so many people to get to, get to, that, point. Yeah, to, get yeah. to that point that it was very exhausting. Um, yeah. Anyways, so it turned out that she was actually silently aspirating. And after okay. seeing an ENT and a GI, we got referred to a special uh, clinic at the Children's. Uh, it's air digestive clinic that the Children's Hospital um, of Colorado right. has. Okay. Some other uh, hospitals have it. There's an air digestive clinic. And, um, and that basically has a specialty. It has pulmonary... Um, GI, it has uh, like a PT, it has an OT, it has a feeding specialist, a nutritionist, they have a, so basically all in one group. So mm -hmm. when you go in, you don't have to go to 9,000 specialists, you can just see everybody one under place. one roof. That's great. Right. And they do um, something on a swallow study. And um, it's like, you know, there's also radiation involved, by the way, for a lot of these tests. And that's another reason to wait as long as you possibly can on mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff, because radiation for an infant is not great. Um, but we did it and we did the swallow study and, um, and they found out she was silently aspirating, which is basically like, um, well, I'm, I'm talking a lot, but yeah, no, I don't know if you have any questions on yeah. anything I said. Um, so yeah, so basically what happens is that when most of us swallow liquids, mm -hmm. um, if it goes down the wrong tube, we just cough. Right. Okay. Right. But a child doesn't know to do that. Well, or most children their 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 swallowing gets developed and okay. they they learn how to do that some children in margot's case which we now know it was just delayed right but um but she's swallowing and it's going down the wrong tube and the problem is when it goes down the wrong tube it's going into the lungs oh okay so um so when it goes into the lungs it can cause a very hard to cure pneumonia mm. um but if it doesn't go into the lungs um which is what she's doing is they self-protect and so she coughs to throw up whatever liquid got down there. Okay. And so she's trying to get the liquids out. Um, and so it's a very easy fix. It's, it's thickening your liquids. That's all you have to do. Mm. Just provide thick liquids. Um, which is why we started seeing it the most when we switched her over to milk right. and to solids. Okay. Because solids and milks tend to be more liquidy than breast milk and formula. Mm -hmm. They're just 
by nature thicker. So, um, yeah. So anyway, so it was, um, it was, it was stressful. And then all we did was we had to thicken her liquids for about six months and then we redid the test and her, Everything, everything was normal? Everything was normal. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So it was, um, but, you know, I'm glad that we did it when we did it because we were having all kinds of, like, the amount of throw up. She was getting sent home. The worst is, you know, she gets sent, they get sent from daycare and then they have to wait 24 hours before going back to daycare. Well, because, I mean, I guess, did you have problems with daycare assuming that she had, like, a stomach virus yes. or other things? Yes. Which is, which while might be the norm for the majority of the children in the room, right. like, that's a little bit of a dangerous assumption because they're right. just... Like and your child is not necessarily like every other child yes, in the room, yes. right? And I will say for kids that have kids that are in daycare that are throwing up, the big difference that we noticed was like if she throws up and she's better after she throws up, mm -hmm. then it's probably not the stomach flu. Mm -hmm. Because if you notice when they throw up and they have the stomach flu, they're still sick. Yeah, <laughs> like they're they continuing through. Yeah. yeah, but she would throw up and then she'd be like, oh, I'm a perfectly great person now. Like this is amazing. Like I, I can, I can, you know, I'm not sick anymore. So. Um, that was a big thing that yeah. we noticed. And, and like I said, I mean, after six months of just, you know, there's hidden liquids that we had to avoid. Um, and that included watermelon and like a lot of um, like various types of soups and stuff that you wouldn't, you wouldn't think okay. about. We just, we bought, basically got this thickener that they use a lot in nursing homes. Yeah. And, um, and we just and put it in there and like all of her liquids, waters, whatever. And she was, she didn't throw up anymore. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, we still have some issues with um i think with aspiration they kind of it's actually funny because a lot of kids a lot of people just never get better from aspiration okay and, and a lot kind of approve over time yeah and i actually have a friend one of my one of my really good friends her friend actually is like an adult with aspirate aspirates like it's just mm. a crazy um but what you do is you just learn to self-select Mm -hmm. so, so what you're what you're consuming right so you like as you get older you just learn like after you can no longer do it your, you know, I mean, after before you can no longer do it, your parents are doing it for you or your, mm -hmm. or your teachers or whatever. Or whatever and yeah. then at some point you take over and you just say, uh, no, I'm good. at That's going to make me sick. I'm not going to eat that, you know? Yeah. And so now it's not so much of a problem with her. No, or... the only the only thing that is left over with aspiration um, is that like when she gets very stuffed up mm -hmm. and this is something we're trying to figure out still. But when she gets very stuffed up, she the, this is actually a big thing is that when they're aspirating, the, the, the postnasal drip mm. goes down and then it goes down the one throat because you can't control where your postnasal drip goes, right? right. <laughs> so, um, so she tends to throw up more when she has like a cold and okay. her colds tend to last a lot longer because they become like coughs. Mm. So like where, I mean, I've been, that's actually something we're measuring right now because she's at the two year mark, but we're measuring how long her colds are. And like on average, when like a normal kid will have a three day cold, Margo will have an 11 day cold. Mm. Um, just because it, it will turn into a cough and then it doesn't clear out as well. So now we're trying to just kind of figure out why that is and decide if it's um, an adenoid and tonsil issue, which sometimes mm. go hand in hand with that. And if so, um, then we need to like remove those. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's all, it's all, um, it's all fun. It's all a learning process. <laughs> well, and I think it's such an interesting example of um, one, like trusting your instincts because yeah. you're like, this wasn't right. I feel like you're assuming something about my child and I just don't feel like it's quite right. Um, and, you know, advocating on behalf of your child to try to find an answer to that yeah. and kind of figuring out what you can do to address her needs that, you know, maybe don't aren't, aren't being addressed by what's, you know, normal for most children. Yeah. So and I mean, the other thing I would say is like, you know, we did allergy tests and like, you know, to check on intolerances and stuff, because mm -hmm. sometimes allergy tests don't necessarily you know, I know people that have gone to naturopaths and all this other stuff, but the one thing I will say is that, you know, when it comes to that sort of thing, I felt like she had an intolerance. I was just talking to you about that. I felt like she had an intolerance to pasta, as an example, or mm -hmm. to 
um, like a, corn is another one. Any of these hard to digest foods, I felt like she just couldn't digest well. And even though like an allergy test didn't come through that like, yes, she officially does. Right. I just stopped giving it to her. And yeah. it made a lot of difference. Like you're the mom, you're the parent, like, or you're the dad, I guess in that case too. You make the decision. Right. And if you feel like pasta or cheese or we felt like dairy still kind of even to this day we feel like dairy is and I, I won't give her pasta and dairy together at this point still just to be yeah just to be safe and then if she throws up too I will know which one it was yeah because <laughs> I feel like both those things always were an issue so well I think versus you or I where we're like eating like for somewhat somewhat for pleasure but also because you know yeah. we need, whatever um it's one thing but I think for them it's like why not limit that it's a, no, it's yeah. an easy factor to control yeah. they don't I mean I guess we, we know their preferences a little bit, but it's not quite the same as you or I going out to eat and, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, so why not? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's like, that's, that's one thing that I did learn throughout all of this is like, if you feel like it's wrong, it's your decision. Like, yeah. That's the one, I mean, the hardest part about parenting is that you have to make these like life-changing decisions for somebody else all the time. Mm -hmm. But it's also a positive because guess what? You get to make the, you get to make those decisions yeah. and it's your decision. Totally. So. It's like as much as someone else may tell you it's crazy or you're being crazy, whatever, it's ultimately your decision. Right. And exactly. you know, and I it's think. not going to hurt your child not to eat corn for like a year of their no. life. I guarantee you <laughs> they're going to be fine. Right. And I think it's, 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 it's so, it's one of those things I think about parenting. I never realized going in is like, you know, you, you watch these trends over time, you're able to control these different things and like, why not, you know, control yeah. those things if it helps to make such a difference for your, for your child's life. Exactly, yep, so that's, yeah. Very cool, well thanks so much, Samantha, for sharing your story, very interesting. I think um, definitely something that I haven't heard much about and I know, I know like my sister, for example, when my nephew was born, had a lot of, of, of just general stomach issues and it wasn't something with sort of a connection like this, so I found the story particularly interesting because you just don't know. And I think it's important to know these types of other things can happen and just to be aware and you know ask the questions of your pediatrician. So very cool to, to hear your story. Thanks so much for sharing. No problem. Thanks. And we will Thanks be back to, to talk through some more issues in a future episode. Thanks so much for joining us. We want to hear from you, mamas. What are some of the issues you're currently facing? Leave us a message at 347-915-7080 or email us at hello at mamasgotthis.com. And your thoughts could be featured on a future episode. Thanks for tuning in.